As an agribusiness expert with Alliant Energy and a farmer, I know how important it is to get the most out of your land. I know that also applies to getting the most out of how your farm uses energy. That's why Alliant Energy offers free farm energy assessments. With a farm energy assessment, someone like me will find all kinds of ways to help you save money and energy. We can even connect you with rebates to help make energy equipment upgrades even more affordable. Schedule your free assessment at AlliantEnergy.com slash FarmEnergyAssessment. As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. Looks like we're live. Just give this a second to kind of stabilize for everybody here. Make sure that we're across all platforms. Mile high. Hello, everybody in Broncos country, and welcome into another episode of the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. My name is Lance Sanderson. I am your host tonight, and joining me, as always, is my good friend and colleague. He is your Denver Broncos insider and Mile High Huddle senior NFL draft analyst, Eric Trickle. Also joining us tonight is the co-host of the Building the Broncos podcast. He is also a draft analyst for Mile High Huddle. He is your good friend and our good friend, Nick Kendall. Fellas, what's going on? How are we doing out there? doing pretty good man just excited to be on here as i always am and talking football and talking about how free agency free agency has affected the draft which is always a fun conversation yep doing pretty well here still working from home ready for the weekend i was trying to have a lighter alcohol consumption in march (laughs) and uh the world kind of changed changed that for me so gonna have some beers after this and uh i wish man i'm I'm already i'm really just bummed about how long my hair is it's already starting to like kind of wave over here on this side so you know we'll we'll see what happens in a couple couple weeks from now but uh it might just get just crazy i might just let everything go Uh, well i mean why not pull the tom hanks and castaway and just let everything get out of it you know uh, a quick tip for you just wear a hat it might help just a little bit (laughs) now uh, guys today uh our conversation is specifically driven around uh the top 15 of the nfl draft and how free agency over the the course of the first wave of free agency has affected what we are hearing uh coming from eric here as far as how the top 15 could fall now before we get into that really quick guys i just want to get a couple of quick things uh, brought up to you guys. Make sure you guys are following the show at DVDD underscore pod. You can follow us on Twitter. You can follow me at Sanderson MHH. You can follow Eric at Eric Trickle and for Nick at Nick Kendall MHH. Also, uh, let's see here. Pull it up. Make sure you guys are following at Huddle Up Pod to make sure you have your guys' fingers on the pulse of what's going on with the show. It's a great way to get live updates and everything on what we are doing here with the show. Also, head on over to at milehighhuddle.com for live updates on your Denver Broncos. Now, guys, this is the Overtime Podcast Network. Getting that just right temperature or getting an energy-efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today. It's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy-efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com rebates. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. 
tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Every night, local police departments across America receive hundreds of calls from burglar alarms. The vast majority of the time, they have no idea whether the alarm is real. Is there really a crime going on or not? All the alarm company can tell them is the motion sensor went off. Simply Safe Home Security, though, is different. If you're like me and you're one of those guys who's hypersensitive to every single sound and is tired of having to sleep with a knife under your bed, Simply Safe is the solution. If there's a break in, Simply Safe uses real video evidence to give police an eyewitness account of the crime. That means police dispatch up to 350% faster than for a normal burglar alarm. You get comprehensive protection for your entire home. Outdoor cameras and doorbells alert you to anyone approaching your home. Entry motion and glass break sensors guard inside. Plus, Simply Safe protects your home from fires, water damage, and carbon monoxide poisoning. It's 24-7 monitoring by live security professionals. You can set up your system yourself, no tools are needed, or Simply Safe can do it for you. And it's only 50 cents a day. That's peace of mind with no contracts. Visit simplysafe.com slash overtime and you'll get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. You've got nothing to lose. Go now and be sure you go to simplysafe.com slash overtime so they know that our show sent you. That's simplysafe.com slash overtime. Again, before we get into this conversation, I have one quick question for the both of you. And Nick, I kind of want your take first here. There's, with recent news uh, regarding Darquez Denard, the cornerback formerly of the Cincinnati Bengals, now his contract was rejected from the Jacksonville Jaguars. And it comes out, and there's now three cornerbacks on the market in Bashad Breland, Prince Amukamara, and Darquez Denard. Of the three, with the Broncos needing another cornerback to come in and fit in with A.J. Bouye and Bryce Callahan, if you had your opportunity to pick one of those three, who would it be and why? Man, that is a tough question. Honestly, I think I'm going to lead Denard because he is the youngest. I think he has the most potential upside. And if you're paying all those guys, you know, you're going to get that Vic Fangio at Donatel bump. And I think Denard, especially from that nickel spot, he is really good there. So I guess the biggest question is, where are you playing Callahan? You know, a lot of talk. He did his best work with the Chicago Bears from slot. But then last year, it sounded like Denver wanted to play him on boundary more. So if you want to play him on boundary, I think Denard is the guy. If you're looking for more of a one-year impact I'm probably going to Mukamara, but any of those guys make sense. I just I tend to lean younger. Uh, what we've seen from Donatello and Fangio in the past is they'll take former first-round picks that have not worked out elsewhere and then take them, and boom, all of a sudden they're good because they're playing them where they're at their best. So I think you have the most upside with Denard, but it might come, come at the highest price. For me, is I'd be looking at Rashad Breland. I think he actually was a lot better last year than a lot of fans are giving him credit for and just played actually – very good football last year. There were some moments where he got a little bit grabby downfield, which has been a, one big issue with him throughout his whole career. But I think that with everything going on and all this stuff, that you have to look at somebody who can come in and pick up the offense because there might there might not be offseason programs to help pick up the offense or pick up the defense and pick up what their job's going to be and all that stuff like that. So that's that's why I'm leaning Prince over everything. If I if that wasn't a concern, if that wasn't an issue, then it would definitely be Bashad, be Bashad Breland. But with that, I mean, we have to live with the times that are going on. So it's going to be Prince of Mukamara for me because he knows basically what his role is going to be, and he basically knows the defense already. And yeah. also with Rashad Breland, um, he was a he's a street free agent. So the other two are going to come into compensatory pick princes. Uh, Prince, that's what I meant. Yeah, he's the only street free agent um, where the other two are not. Yeah. Um, so that's another thing that like if you're looking for the younger, more upside, a guy who can play slot, it's Den- Den- Denard Dennard. Um, but I think if for me between Breland and Mukamara, the fact that Breland is going to play into the compensatory pick formula and Prince will not, I think that's enough of a differentiator where I'll lean that way. And I agree with you guys. I just with the with the uh, the familiarity between Prince of Mukamara and Vic Fangio, I think that that's probably the way that I would lean. Not necessarily a great uh, long term kind of an option. Going to be one year, five six million dollars. 
especially after what we saw with Xavier Rhodes in free agency. He just signed with the the Indianapolis Colts on a one-year $5 million deal. So the the cornerback market market has kind of dried up at this particular point. So anybody that we do see brought in is now going to be on kind of a shorter-term, lower-money kind of a deal. Now, to progress this conversation forward just a little bit, with with free agency and everything that has happened so far, there's a lot of ways that this the, the top 10, top 15 picks can really shake up. Now, Eric, there's something that we've kind of heard and there's this is something that I've brought up before in just a, com- a private conversation with you and I about the Bengals and the number one overall pick and how they might not necessarily be sold on Joe Burrow. Now, everybody else seems to be sold on Joe Burrow, but after he forgot, after he decided to forego the senior bowl and Justin Herbert was down there working with Zach Taylor and the rest of the Bengals coaching staff, is there any kind of a possibility that we do see a trade with the Miami Dolphins moving up to number one, giving up what at least two of their their three first round picks, maybe a second and a future second, to go get Joe Burrow and let the Bengals slide back down and then take Justin Herbert there? There's definitely been conversations there, and there's a lot of smoke going around about it. When there's smoke, there's a little bit of fire. So I'm not sure if the deal will actually come through, but there is definitely some rumors going around that the Bengals do prefer Justin Herbert over Joe Burrow. And part of that is from that they got to sit there and spend that time with him at the Senior Bowl. They got to get to know him. They got to learn all these other aspects about him that they didn't with Joe Burrow. If they stay put, I would fully expect it to be Joe Burrow. I mean, he is the best quarterback prospect of this class. But even if they stay put, they could surprise everybody, take Justin Herbert there. And then that's going to cause a lot of panic at teams wanting to move up to number two, number three, and everything like that if Joe Burrow falls. So it's going to be a little bit interesting. I mean, this, I don't see this falling down as the uh, 2018 class did where everybody thought Sam Darnold was the number one pick, and then boom, there goes Baker Mayfield. I don't expect that, but never know. There's the, And as for that, there's definitely talk going around about Miami moving down. Talk has been basically all three of those first-round picks this year, plus a few other things going to Cincinnati for that. Cincinnati has a very poorly talented roster. Depleted. So if they're able to go and pick up those extra picks, get Herbert, the quarterback that they actually prefer, and then still have those other picks, then that would actually be a huge win for them if Justin Herbert panned out. And I think Herbert is – I mean, you do – you. Touched on it, Zach Taylor and that staff got to work with him at the Senior Bowl, which does matter. But also, I think with Herbert, there is some talk that, you know, his tools, his upside, his athleticism, the arm talent might be a better fit for that offense, for what they're looking for. I mean, you have a much more of a shotgun spread attack with the Joe Burrow, and you know he's not throwing bullet 15-yard outs or anything. Herbert has more arm talent. There's not a throw that Herbert can't make. Now, obviously, there's more than arm ta- talent and athleticism that it takes to play quarterback. But this has been something that's been talked about since uh, when the Bengals clinched that first overall pick. You know, Joe yep. Burrow was the guy. But a lot of people, and these NFL insiders were saying, you know, maybe Justin Herbert's a better fit for what they want to do. So there's smoke there. I still think if you put a gun in my head, I think the Bengals are going to stay there at one and they'll end up taking Burrow. But that's just, you know, this is the talking season of the NFL draft. It's what makes it fun. But I think it's more of a possibility than people think. And I have some Bengal friends who are distraught about that possibility. You already talked themselves into Joe Burrow, loving him, all that stuff. But, you know, we'll see what happens. And I'm just going to go ahead. We, I was going to hold out on asking some of these questions here. But Robert uh, Robert Caslow comes in on, on YouTube and he says, would you think the Bengals would get Herbert over Burroughs? Now, that was something I was going to say. If you actually love a guy, if, if, that's the, if that's the route, like why would you wait? Why would you put the risk that somebody else could go and get him? Why not just take Herbert at one? Yeah, that's definitely another whole issue with this is if you love a guy, just take him. Moving down a few spots, getting those extra picks isn't always worth the possibility of losing him. There's word going around that the Chargers love him, and if they move up ahead of them, they, they might take him. I believe that if the Chargers move up for a quarterback, it's going to be for Tua, but again, we don't know what's going on with them. We don't know what's a smokescreen. We don't know what's reality here. So it's always definitely a risk for that, and I think that when it comes to the Bengals, if they decide to move down and take Herbert, I think they're okay if they land one of the other quarterbacks that may fall or be okay with just building up the roster and going after a quarterback next year. So I think that has to be play into it a little bit as well as maybe we build up the roster and then next year have a good roster, probably not get that many wins because, you know, wins do matter with the quarterback quite a bit is such an important piece for that. And not win that many games, still be in a position and probably in the top 10 
and sitting in sight of Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or Brock Purdy, who's getting a lot of hype. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Nick over here with the foul face, man. Now to go back to your, to one of the points that you had made was specifically about the chargers and about how they might be willing to move up. Now there's been a lot of buzz going around in the NFL circles over the last few weeks. I mean, probably since even the draft order was finalized that the Detroit lions might be looking to move down. Now this is kind of a hot topic here with the Detroit lions needing some help on their defense. They've already got a quarterback and Matt Stafford in play need some weapons to add to that offense as well. But they, I mean, with Matt Patricia, obviously, on the defensive side of the football there, I could see them kind of moving down and going to target like a Derek Brown or an Isaiah Simmons kind of a guy. And if they could, you know, switch spots with the Los Angeles Chargers who are coming up to go and get like a Tua or a Justin Herbert or maybe even say a Jordan Love, maybe they fall in love with him. I mean, is that a possibility as well? It, it definitely is. But I think that one thing that could really throw a whole wrench into all this is the Chargers moving up for Tristan Wirfs jumping ahead of the Giants, who supposedly love Tristan Morphs. But if they're moving up for a quarterback and the Lions are moving down, then I would think that they – I really don't think that they want to drop down that far. I don't think they want to run the risk of losing the Ohio State quarterback or potentially moving out. Yeah. Or uh, Isaiah Simmons. They don't want to risk losing that, even though Isaiah Simmons I don't see is a great fit for them, especially after they went and got Jamie Collins. Um, how they do a little bit of things. I think that Matt Patricia and his defense, they would he'd probably likely use them – not exactly the same, but very similar to just cause the problems. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely a possibility that they can move down and get that. I think Jeffrey Okuda is the guy that they really want to go get. I think he's the guy that is the their player on their board that they really want. So moving down to that, I mean, I don't think that he would go in that top five if they switch places with the Chargers. But, again, it's that whole thing of you never know. If the Giants are – if this whole thing with the Giants wanting either Isaiah Simmons or Tristan Wirfs – then if that's all smoke and he's on the board, why wouldn't the Giants go take him and then you're not sitting there? So it's definitely a risk. Even moving down to five or six. It depends on how much they like C.J. Henderson. I mean, for the Broncos, I don't like C.J. Henderson, but there seems to be some people who are better at evaluating cornerbacks than me. I fully admit that. That say C.J. Henderson has an argument to be right up there with Akuda because the length and the cover skills he has. I don't I don't agree with it, but I've seen it from like a Crockle, Crockwell. Who used to play cornerback for the 49ers, I believe. And he's he's been banging that drum that CJ Henderson is cornerback one in this class because of the man coverage upside. So I don't agree, but I mean that's it depends like it, how much value is there. I'm hoping that CJ Henderson is beloved because if he goes off the board before the Broncos pick, hell yeah, sign me up. Same with uh, Caleb on Jason. But yeah. uh, that's just that's somebody to toss out there who's somebody I don't think is a great fit for the Broncos and what they want to do, but maybe a scheme like Detroit, which should put so much in regards to man coverage on the outside, just leaving guys on Island. The Henderson's length, his fluidity, his ability to stick in a guy's hip is really good. It's just when you asking him to process, you know, from the zone concept or tackle one-on-one in space, that's when it really falls off, which again, that's the reason that he doesn't make sense for Broncos, but could be a top 15 pick for many schemes. And 
in regards to Henderson, is there's a lot of people out there that don't view tackling in, as important for cornerbacks. That's where we get the Darrell Revis's of the world. Darrell yeah. Revis was known for not tackling, but he could Deion be Sanders. He was on. Yeah, exactly. Sanders. Yeah. You could trust these. You could trust these guys on an island, and that's C.J. Henderson. I like his play and coverage, but. I, I like tackling. I like my corners to tackle. I don't like to yeah. be afraid of it. So from my own personal board, he takes a hit as a result of that. For yeah. the Broncos, he takes a huge hit for that because tackling is not negotiable. But, yeah, it really depends on how the Giants would view him or the Lions would view him. And with Matt Patricia, I could see him not value, valuing tackling as much as he does just this the, his coverage ability that he has. Yeah, island ability. And that's a, that's a fair point. Now, when I watch C.J. Henderson, I, I really like his patience and, and just the way that he does. I mean, like you said, Nick, he can stick in your hip and, and move, but he's very patient, especially when he's off ball. Now, to to kind of go forward just a little bit with another team that could potentially be moving up, there's two here, and this was something that I believe it was Matt Miller. We talked about this just pre, uh, right before we jumped on live. Was Matt Miller said that the the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Las Vegas Raiders are potential teams that could move up now. We, we broke it down just a little bit, and I think that, Nick, you said that it would be potentially for a quarterback. And let's let's just talk about the Raiders for just a second before we go into the Jaguars. Well, the Raiders have, I believe, same as the Broncos, five picks in the top 100. And I actually believe they have more value than the Broncos do because those are two first-round picks and three-thirds. So, obviously, you have more value there. So, if there's a quarterback they like in this class, there's no reason that they shouldn't at least, you know, if there's, there's your guy there, no reason to not make at least a bid into that. And I think just from a schematic uh, making sense, I think it would probably be for Tua. So they're probably looking to jump up. You know, they'd have to package 12, 19, maybe a future something as well, a second and maybe a third this year, because moving from 12 slash 19 up into the top five is that's a quite a move still. But I mean, if that's your quarterback, you know, in this league, I saw somebody talking about how much of a difference is it for the quarterback, essentially quarterback's baseline. If you don't have a guy, you're not doing anything unless you have like an all time defense or get super duper lucky, but really quarterback, the best chance to win the Super Bowl is to repeatedly knock on the door and make the playoffs. And the best way to do that is to have a franchise quarterback. So we've seen Derek Carr. We were talking about it before we went on air here. He's a quarterback where you can win with him, but he's that one where, if you don't utilize him during that rookie contract where he's giving you really good value on the dollar, then you're probably not going to win with him. Once you pay him that, that ability, he just is not, he's like a tier three, tier four quarterback where he's cheap. You can build a great team around him. But after that, I don't know. It's like kind of the Andy Dalton theory. It's what we do not want with Drew Locke, which, you know, we're remaining to see. I don't want to be super right. pessimistic, but we're remaining to see if he's going to be Andy Dalton, Jared Carr, or uh, Carson Wentz the, up there. No, obviously not Patrick Mahomes, but that's a different different discussion, but I could see it with the Raiders. I mean, if they love Tua, if they love Herbert, I think Tua would be their target, but it does make sense to me. And when you have all this assets, they've spent a good amount of money. They filled out their roster with a bunch of C-level talent, but still they don't have many holes in, because of all those signings they made. So if there's a quarterback they love, I mean, it makes sense. I, I don't, I'm, but I'm very much quarterback or bust if you don't have your guy. Well, and exactly. I, sorry, Eric. I'm gonna I'm gonna take this away here for just a second. And you're at, at, absolutely right. Now, with the to kind of move this forward just a little bit, Eric. I'm sorry to step on your toes there, but with the Jacksonville Jaguars in regard to potentially moving up, who is a couple of guys that you could see them going to target here? I could see them doing the same, but Herbert, I feel like, is the guy for them if they were going to make that move. However, they're a team that it, I think it makes a little less sense just because the lack of stability that they have currently. But they do have a good amount of capital, two first-round picks again. So if there is a guy that you love, I, again, I, I have no issue taking a guy. If there's a quarterback that you like, this it's it's non-negotiable in competing in the NFL. You have to have a quarterback. Right now they have Gardner, Gardner Minshew. Good story. I'm not feeling super-duper confident if he's my quarterback. So. Then, right. And they have some, they've spent a decent amount on that offensive line. And they obviously still need some work there, but there's pieces there. They have DJ Chark, who's emerged into one of the better young wide receivers in football. DD Westbrook's a decent complimentary weapon. They could use another wide receiver. Uh, but really, if, if there's a quarterback there, then you, know, yeah, you at least have to make the call. Go ahead, Eric. So with the Raiders, I think that obviously, yes, it is to, if they want to move up, that's the quarterback they're targeting. And you mentioned all these signings that they made, and they're actually kind of, sort of taking the play the page out of John Elway's book, going into the draft without any major holes on their roster. They have guys who can fill in these holes that they aren't forced to maximize every single draft pick to fill these holes to field, potentially field a competent team next year. They can use this, having a good roster, 
and they can afford to package those picks and move up and go get that quarterback. With the Jaguars, that's not the case. I don't see them moving up for a quarterback. I think that they are content sitting there and just working on building the team this year and then going into next year with, with Gardner Minshew at quarterback, seeing what he can do for him, giving him a year, seeing what their new um, offensive coordinator can do with him. Name's totally escaping me right now. Yeah, I was going to say, I forgot it. <laughs> And just see what he can do. And then if they don't get enough wins, then, hey, look, the quarterbacks that we mentioned earlier, Trevor Lawrence, uh, Justin Fields, Brock Purdy, and there's another quarterback, too, that it's – Newsom. Huh? Georgia. Newsom. Yeah. Is, He's got uh, a lot of hype. Yeah. There's a guys, as all potential guys that can go, they can go after then. Just build up that roster. They don't have the benefit of the Raiders. They don't have a strong roster. They've had to gut their roster because of some very poor decisions with – Free agency. I mean, Calais Campbell, they ended up trading him away. That's not a bad – that wasn't a bad move by them at the time, but just how they structured it, they didn't really have a way out. Nick Foles was a terrible move last year, and they've already moved on from him. Yep. A.J. Boye, Marcel Darius, these are guys that they've had they had on the roster that they cut or traded because of issues with spending them. They just couldn't afford it. They were over the cap this year entering free agency. So they, I, don't, I don't see it with them as much. But hey, it, as Nick said, if you find a guy and you tar and you want to target that guy at the quarterback position, then go get it. I still think that the coaching staff may know that this is their last year in Jacksonville. That just kind of building the roster so the next guy can kind of take over and do with it and go with it from there. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies push boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They push girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promotes surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies push boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They push girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. And on counterpoint to that, the Jags of any team, the Broncos know this too, but building a championship defense, that is as fragile as it gets. It depends on 15 guys. And when you have an elite defense, you have one year. I mean, they were one win away from going to the gosh darn Super Bowl. And then after that, back to picking in the top 10, top five. So, you know, if you have a quarterback, that gives you the biggest window of competition where you can reload multiple years rather than resulting on that one peak defensive year. I mean, anecdotally, we all love that 2015 Broncos defense, but it fell off after that. It's just way too hard to have that many guys healthy, um, their peak years in terms of performance, and then also, you know, ones that are not leaving via free agency. It's just way too hard to do. So that's why these elite defenses are blips. Well, and just to add to that that one point about having that elite defense for just the one year and having that one year window, when you look at it, they built up that elite defense, the Broncos and the and the Jaguars both, but they both had insecure quarterback situations. So with the Broncos, obviously Peyton Manning retires. And then the next year after the, the Jaguars were in the AFC championship game, they doubled down and went and got uh, and doubled down on Blake Bortles being the guy and come to find out. 
you can't you can't win like that. They lost some players in free agency, but with Blake Bortles, there was just no way that they could actually keep that reign of of, of success and continue on that forward over the long term. Now we're gonna open this up to some of the to some comments here, and I'm gonna go dig through this really fast. We got a super chat uh, donation here from Willie Naylor, two dollar donation. Thank you, Willie. We appreciate you joining us today. What's up, family? Nothing to say, just donating. Hey, man, we appreciate you, dude. Now. Uh, I do got a hot take and I just, it's kind of my hot take. I've just divulged it to you guys. And it's just something that we've, we've talked about kind of briefly and everybody knows, and I've been really kind of high on Denzel Mims, the wide receiver out of Baylor this year. And with the, the athletic testing, especially after the combine, you got to see, I mean, six, three, two Oh nine, Runs what a four four forty uh, six six uh, three cone drill jumps out of the building. A lot of a lot of teams are really going to like that size length athleticism kind of a, a combination there. I'm going to bold predict that he's going to be the number three wide receiver taken in this NFL draft. And honestly, it's it goes down to not only the size weight speed uh, athleticism kind of a combination, but the ability as a blocker, his, his willingness as a blocker, he's probably the best blocking wide receiver in the class. The size, speed, athleticism, the tape is there, and he fits exactly what Kyle Shanahan wants to do. I think that the that the 49ers at number 13 overall, Denzel Mims fits there, and that's just my personal decision there. I think 13 might be a little bit high for him. They are missing some capital, obviously, of the two first-round picks, but it's a pretty much a barren wasteland after that. So you could see some jostling and still wind up with a guy like Denzel Mims. I mean, heck. Philadelphia Eagles picking there. You might be able to get Denzel Mims. What are they picking? 21. And if that's, you know, that's a team that's begging to jump the Broncos to get Henry Ruggs. I mean, gosh, they would just trip over themselves if they could do that. So that's something to watch. I do like Mims in regards to the fit there with the blocking. I do have some questions about Jimmy Garoppolo's. I mean, solid system quarterback there for them. Doesn't have the best arm. A lot of his best work is over the middle of the field. And Mims hasn't really shown that ability to win over the middle of the field as much. He's more of a vertical boundary receiver, which has a lot of value, but not sure if that comes with the 49ers. But with the blocking, the spacing out the field, that all makes a lot of sense to me. I don't think 13 is where he goes, but I could see them obviously moving around, playing the draft game and walking away with him. Yeah, there's there's one big rumor going around, and I've and actually a comment that I've actually heard pretty reliably about this, that with Kyle Shanahan, Denzel Mims is his favorite receiver and that he's a number two receiver on their board. So I can actually see them going with him at that. There's been a lot of talk going around that Denzel Mims will be one of the first three receivers taken off the board. Not necessarily even just the third, but one of the first three, a lot of talk about him going top 15. Just, just it's enough talk of it to where that there seems to be some fire there. I do think that it would have to very much depend on how other things fall on the board with where do other receivers go? Um, where do tackles go? Where do tackles fall? Things like that. I definitely can see it happening. If it's like, it's one of those things where everything has to fall right into place for it to happen. And so definitely a possibility. And I think with the, when we're talking about the 49ers, I think that they're a good fit for him in some ways and some other ways I don't. And I think that he is a guy that they definitely do like. They are eyeing. But I really think with what I've heard and everything, that defensive line, that they're hoping that Derek Brown is, falls into that falls to them or Javon Kinlaw is still there. That's really what I'm hearing from them is that they want to continue having that force on their defensive front. And, and I just want to say, look at that. Ahead. Nick Kendall's number one stand. I got a good picture. <laughs> Love you guys. All right. <laughs> Uh, to, to kind of keep going on with the how has free agency affected the top uh, top 10, top 15 of the draft, Scotty Partridge coming in on Facebook, and he says, do you see the Broncos trading into the top 10 to not get a wide receiver? It depends on how the board falls. Personally, for me, I only have two guys that make sense in regards to trading up in the top 10 that would be potentially worth the capital. Again, if you're trading in the top 10 and it's not for a quarterback, typically that makes me a little bit squeamish. It scares me a little bit. Uh, but Jeffrey Okuda and Isaiah Simmons are the two that, you know, if they fall to, let's say, seven, eight, nine, I'm calling. And the worst I'm calling, I'm still interested in Tristan Wirfs and Jedrick Wills, but there's four solid tackles. There's good tackle depth later, and they just played Glasgow. You already have the two tackles pretty much set. So you, and just all the talk coming out of Denver, they are going to give Bulls another year. They're going to put some pressure on him, but it doesn't sound like it's going to be a first-round pick, at least trading up first-round pick. If it falls and that's the best player available at 15, then that's how it falls. But uh, I definitely think they could trade up to 10, maybe 9, and target a wide receiver if their infatuation with Ruggs is as rumored. 
Yeah, I think that with based off of what I've heard, I think another name that to potentially watch out. I definitely think the two names that you said are guys to watch if they fall that never might start calling up. But Derek Brown is another that I can see them maybe not pulling the trigger for. I think that'd be something that they may want to be willing to pay a little bit less, just sit there and because it's a defensive lineman, even though it's not a great class, and you you don't really want to give up too much to move up for him. So I can see them calling around, seeing what it would cost, and if it's too much, then just not doing it. But Derek Brown, definitely, I think that this is a guy that basically he finishes off their defensive line. You would have Jarrell Casey, Derek Brown, and Draymond Jones as your three starters. And with a coach that wants to win with as few pass rushers as possible, going into your sub packages with Derek Brown, Jarrell Casey, Vaughn Miller, and Bradley Chubb, you're able to win with as few pass rushers as possible. So I think it makes sense. But again, it's always definitely going to come down to that cost. Outside of that, I think that the really only person that they will be willing to move up for and maybe slightly overpay is Henry Ruggs. Yeah. Uh, well, I can see that, especially with the need to add some multidimensional speed. That's a that's a hot ticket item with you there, Nick, is the multidimensional speed, being able to stretch not only vertically, but horizontally, getting getting people moving all over the field, opening up all the options. I mean, you've got Noah Fant, a uh, uh, four or five tight end. You've got Cortland Sutton on the outside being able to go and take the top off in his in his own way, in the, the way that he can go and contort his body and make those contest catches. Now, to have a true burner that can move not only horizontal, uh, vertically, but horizontally across the middle of the field, Take some of those slants, those crossing routes, and then turn them into, into big, huge gains, potential touchdowns. I mean, Henry Ruggs had, what, 24, uh, 24 touchdowns or something like that? Uh, uh, like 98 touches and 24 touchdowns or whatever the, the heck the ungodly number was. And it just seems like every time that he touches the football, he's going to the house. So, I mean, if you're going to go and get a guy, that might be the guy that would that would really sing to me. If you're going to go get rugs, and I would potentially be willing to do that, especially if it only takes you know uh, what two third. You got you got three third round picks. Take two of those, package up, move inside the top ten to go get a guy like that. Then I could maybe see it, maybe swallow that. I wouldn't necessarily like it, but I could swallow it. Now, David Cromelow coming in on the super chat. Uh, thank you, David. A big fan of the show, big fan of the, the website as well. Are the Broncos in position to reach at 15? Now, I'm going to start this off here and just, it really, we always say it. It, it all depends on how the board falls. If if the Broncos are in position to reach, that means probably all four of the offensive tackles are gone. You've got the big three at the wide receivers are gone. You're sitting there with a bunch of quarterbacks because C.J. Henderson is gone. And then you've got... Uh, Christian Fulton, maybe Kalevin Chase and guys like that that have jumped into the top 10. Now you're looking at maybe some interior defensive line prospects. I think that you've got a a good chance at uh, Javon Kinlaw there. But if that were to maybe be the case, I would think that the Broncos would move down. Like why are they? Why would they not be willing to move down, get some even more capital in this extensively exponentially deep draft class at wide receiver, cornerback, and offensive line? It just takes two to tango team has to be calling and offering something so there's some times where it just doesn't make sense and it depends on how far they want to go you know like let's say there's a team offering them pick 30 31 let's say 49ers or somebody picking 30 but the broncos have four players they like and they don't see any of them being there at 30 so it just it's really circumstantial but uh just back to dave david's question here the broncos in a position to reach uh hopefully never Hopefully you never reach. You got to trust your board. But I mean, what might make sense for one team might not make sense for another. But uh, no, if you think you're reaching, don't make the pick. That's <laughs> there should be somebody there. And obviously, sometimes you're in a situation where you don't love it. But if you're looking at this like, is this a reach? Probably shouldn't make that pick. Yeah, is my philosophy is, is if you are viewing your pick as a reach, it's the wrong pick. It, that's that's how simple it is. And to the media and stuff and i know nick and i we've i think we've actually had this conversation almost exactly before that just because on my board i may be lower on player x doesn't mean that team is that low on him media boards and stuff like that and public draft analyst boards are not reflective of what nfl teams have them they have a lot more access to a lot more information than we do and their boards are definitely more refined and gone over and not just the opinion of a few people it's the opinions of 15, 20 people that are sitting there and compiling that board. So if it comes to a position where you don't have a player on your board that you really like there, then you look to trade down. If you can't trade down, then you take your best, your player that's best suited for that. If you're picking 15th overall, then somebody who's in your top 15 is going to be there. If not multiple, even if say, just as an example, not saying it's going to happen, say something happens and chase young is there. (laughs) Then obviously you take him. Say something happens and Justin Herbert's there. 
well, you don't really need a quarterback, but who else is there? It all depends on how the board falls. And if again, if you're making a pick that you feel is a reach, you're not making don't make that pick. It's that simple. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it, obviously, it's got to line up with the best player available at a position of need is is a good way to go into it. And sometimes you do get a, a good value. I mean, let's just go. There was a question here that I wanted to grab. And let's see here. It's uh, Miller 707 champ jumping in on YouTube. He says, do you think Trevon Diggs is a good fit for Denver? Also, is is it a real realistic possibility to get him in the second round? I've been seeing a lot of mocks having him fall to the second round. Now, that would potentially be there. I mean, that's a first round player right there. And if he falls to the to the second round, if the Broncos uh, and they also have the need there, a best player uh, a best player available at a position of need there. You've got Trevon Diggs, potentially AJ Terrell. I mean, uh, let's see, Noah Benajine, the cornerback out of Auburn. If you get that opportunity to take a guy that's the best player available at your at a position of need, or that can just upgrade the overall roster, like why? why what's the question there? I, I, I guess I don't understand it. Like, if you think it's a reach, then don't take the pick. Yeah. Shout out also Jalen Johnson from Utah, who yep. I think I like more than most people, but he's in that same range. Yeah. So before we go on, uh, there's actually one question that I really want to take because I see our chat. They're having a conversation about Jerry Jude or about Henry Ruggs and trading up for him and that it's not worth it. And I know Brian Jody's Weber, probably talking in here. I know Jody. Jody, we're on the opposite ends of the spectrum here. He hates Henry Ruggs. He loves Andrew Thomas. I don't like Andrew Thomas in regards to the Broncos and picking 15. And uh, but, I do like Henry Ruggs. But Brian Weatherwax comes in and he says, Ruggs Jr.'s year stat line, 40 catches, 746 yards, 7 touchdowns. Two of missing a good portion hurts, but A, you don't move up for a wide receiver in, in the first round unless your name is Jerry Rice. B, wide receiver is so deep, Ruggs over under position is 15 and a half. Well, there's multiple things that I want to address in this, and your two points are one of them. Actually, and there's been actually quite a few studies about this that I've actually been really enjoying because I am not for moving up for any player. Don't care who it is. You don't move up. It, it typically doesn't work. Unless it's a quarterback. Even for a quarterback, I'm not for it. But here's the thing. is Of all the positions that are most successful in actually trading up for and then panning out, it's wide receiver. Wide receiver tends to have the most success and have the your return be at least the same as what you're giving up as – basically as what you're getting from him, that the return is equal. So wide receiver is actually the best position to move up for, no matter who it is. I mean, yes, there, are, there are some who – there are some out there who have failed and not lived up to the expectations, but that is one of the more positions. I mean, what, A.J. Green and Julio Jones weren't one of them moved up for? I mean, that's just – Julio was. Julio was. That's just massive trade. Yeah, that's just one example of it. But that is actually one of the positions that it is better to trade up for. And wide receiver is so deep. Yes, it is. But here is the thing. And I have I've talked about this on Twitter just, I think it was yesterday, that, yes, it's a simulation. But when you're running a simulation about with this mock and you're sitting here and you decide to pass on a receiver at 15 and you get to 46 because you're willing to wait because receiver's bad. And then all the receivers you like at 46, they're gone. You wait till 77. All the receivers you like at 77, they're gone. Every year we hear about, oh, we can wait on X, on position X because it's so deep. Well, when the NFL draft comes around, what actually happens? Teams don't wait. No. Teams take them. Just because it's a deep class doesn't mean you pass up on elite talent. Henry Ruggs is an elite talent. I know a lot of people out there are, are saying he's just a speed receiver, and I have been very down on him. Nick and Lance can both confirm this, that I have, I'm yeah. probably the lowest on Henry Ruggs of the three of us. But I can see the reason for him. I can see the fact that he his speed, and he's not just a speed receiver, opens up so much more for the whole Broncos offense, for Cortland Sutton, for Noah Fant, for Melvin Gordon, for whatever other weapons they add on this offense. I can see the fact that he is a improving route runner. I can see him go being able to make these contested catches that are needed. I can see him getting these catch-and-run situations and making big plays out of it, working out of screens, working on quick slants, working on comeback routes. Yes, there are improvements that are needed, but he's not just a speed receiver. He's got tremendous hands, which I see a lot of people comparing him to John Ross. John Ross has terrible hands. John Ross, Will Fuller Fuller has terrible hands. Major medical questions for both of them. John Ross, yeah, he got drafted as high as he did for speed, but he was exclusively a nine-route guy. Only running the go route. That was basically exclusively his route in college. Henry Ross is offering up a little bit more of a route tree than that. Henry and I have data in front of me also in regards to Ruggs essentially is a space creator. He's yeah. going to do as much not touching the ball as he is going to do touching yes. the ball. And yep. it's, it's a Will Fuller effect. I have this data in front of me. The Texans offense this last year in the regular season with Will Fuller and without, with, without Will Fuller 
the QBR with Will Fuller, 75.2. Without Will Fuller, 59.8. Yards per play, 6.08 with Will Fuller, 5.29 without Will Fuller. Yards per attempt, 7.78 with, 6.32 without. Sacks per attempt, so oh, wide receiver, how does that matter? Changes how the defense can play you. Uh, sacks per attempt, 7.8 with Will Fuller, 10.7 without Will Fuller. And then third down conversion, uh, 51.9%, 32.9%, 51.9 with, 32.9 without. So really it's about isolating matchups and making the def- dif- dictating what the defense does against you. Yeah, and last thing I'm going to say on this is, Jody, if you move up for the receive, move up for why not get the best receiver? It's all relative, depending on who the best receiver is. And teams yep. view it differently. Ceedee Lamb is my my number one receiver. I would love it if Denver moved up for it. I don't think he's Denver's number one receiver. I don't think he's multiple teams' number one receiver. I'd be surprised if he's actually more than, let's say, sixteen teams' number one receiver. I'd actually be shocked about that. And as for being the best receiver on Alabama. I think that even more teams would view him as the best receiver in Alabama than Jerry Judy as the best receiver coming out of Alabama. Ooh, with the hot take. No, I'm just playing. You're absolutely right. I mean, there's 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 a lot to be said. Uh, we're looking at a, at the Alabama wide receiver class in a, in a whole completely different light here, guys. Like, we're we're arguing about Jerry Judy versus Henry Ruggs when you also have Adrian Waddle and uh, the what is Devonte Smith, I believe is his name. The, like, there's four guys, four guys that could all be potentially first round picks in the NFL draft. Like that wide receiver class is so. Or, excuse me, the wide receiver room in Alabama is so exquisite exquisitely talented like seriously four guys back-to-back years we're gonna have two guys this year two guys next year out of the the Alabama wide receiver group they're going to be first round picks now we're gonna we're getting a little bit long here I gotta go and grab this really quick Stu coming in on the super chat with a ten dollar donation always thank you uh, thank you very much Stu we see you we appreciate you coming down as Chad likes to say off of uh, the mile high huddle uh, Mount Rushmore, I believe is what it is. Uh, Stu, always so consistent and everything like that. We we appreciate you, man. Uh, get a couple more questions here before we have to get out of here tonight. Uh, Kenneth Booker, here's actually a decent one. Brandon Cooks wants a trade. Should the Broncos kick the tires? I'd be interested in the talent. I'm not sure I'm interested in the contract. I think that after you paid Melvin Gordon, that probably said Bon Voyage to any chance of taking on another poison pill contract so that that's probably the the reality of it yeah i agree and as much as i like brandon cooks i like what he could bring to the offense but again it's just that contract that i would take and real quick jody i actually have henry ruggs over jerry judy on my board and i am the lowest of the three of us so and i mean i don't want to go too down this wormhole because we've already done it for a bit but (laughs) i mean henry ruggs almost exclusively played on the backside of tua and was not the primary read he typically had it be judy or waddle Bugs is this guy isolating, drawing coverage, et cetera. So, I mean, just, just based on how talented, I mean, if Jerry Judy's the first guy open, that's where the ball is going. I mean, he's, he's open, get him the ball, but you can watch the tape. I mean, I'll go check out Brad Kelly's YouTube. It's on, he has the all 22, like the uh, way up. You can see the entire field, not the or what the broadcast. You can see Henry Ruggs is freaking open. Like it's just that Judy was open and he's the higher percentage throw. So Alabama just needs to control the ball. But I mean, well, no, I, there's something to be said. There. Go ahead. And to add on to that, just a little bit, uh, there was something that I had seen that uh, Jerry Judy played primarily out of the slot. I mean, go back and watch the tape. It is it's absolutely true. Jerry Judy played primarily out of the slot with Henry Ruggs on the outside, and he was dictating that deep coverage over the top. And he was still getting open. Now those easier, higher percentage throws to Jerry Judy on the on the quick hitches, the quick slants, quick pivot routes, the ins and outs, and everything with his uh, with his elite level route running ability. Of course, you're going to throw him the football, and then he can do stuff after the catch. Now with Henry Ruggs, when he was on the backside, that quick backside slant pass. It's going to the house regardless. Like, I personally, just to go against and just to kind of give you just a, an idea about how many different takes there are on this wide receiver class, Eric, you said that you had uh, CD Lamb as your number one wide receiver in this class. I personally have Jerry Judy. I think he's a better route runner. I, I think he's a better with the ball in his hands after the catch. He can do so much before and after the catch to beat coverage and then to beat defenders. That's just my personal take on the situation. Nick, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think it's Ruggs, Judy, Lamb, or is uh, who's your number one wide receiver? I have one A, one B, and one C. I mean, literally, it depends. On, it's like asking you what your favorite ice cream is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, I, I personally like rugs the most uh, just because of what he can bring, I think, is the most dynamic. And I'm looking for guys that can create without the ball. 
guys who can create for others rather than ones that need to be high volume players to be validated. So I'm um, again, you know, looking for the best mixture of talent. And I think that rugs with Sutton with Fant is, I mean, every single one of those guys is so different. So, but I'd take any of them. It really, it's, I mean, luckily, I mean, luckily for the Broncos, if one does fall to 15, that decision's probably going to be made for you, but uh, yeah. we'll, we'll see what happens. I have no issue with any of them. And then after that, my tier two is Mims, Jefferson and Rager. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let me see here. Brian Kraft, are you ignoring my question? No, Brian, I just haven't seen it yet. I'm trying to go through the conversations moving pretty fast. Uh, th- go ahead and throw it out there again, and we'll get to it. We're going to take a couple more questions and kind of wind this down. We're going to have to get out of here. Got I got some extra stuff going on, extracurricular things with my personal life that I need to get taken care of tonight as well. So let's see if we can find another couple of questions. There's one, that, there's one I want to grab real quick because uh, he asked me about it. Oh. I was interested in that one too. Wanna beast. My Blacklock video isn't up yet. I'm not sure when it'll be up, but it's definitely submitted and just waiting to be published. So keep an eye out for that. It'll be up on YouTube. Uh, so Ian Garrett coming in on Facebook, he says, what are your guys' thoughts on Antoine Winfield Jr. and Tyler Johnson? Now, Eric, I know that you had heard some stuff at the Combine regarding regarding uh, Minnesota wide receiver Tyler Johnson. What is the outlook of him after what seemingly has destroyed his draft stock? So part of the issue with him is that he pulled out of the Shrine Bowl week to sit there and prepare for the combine. Then he pulled out of the combine because he was just he wasn't feeling ready yet, and he's now he was going to do it at pro day. And obviously, stuff happened there. He wasn't able to do it at pro day because I don't think he had a pro day. Um, I think Minnesota actually canceled theirs. So there's, that's a big issue there. I mean, now now teams have absolutely no idea about anything with him because he's twice he's passed up on opportunities to show something. Teams could understand from what I was told. Of pulling out of the shrine game to focus on the uh, focus on the combine, they can understand that big part of the draft stock. There, they would have liked to see him against some of the tougher competition. But the issue is, is you then proceed to go and pull out of the combine that you've been preparing over a month for. Just it doesn't sit well. There's a lot of concerns of a lot of questions of what was he doing? Was he actually preparing or was he just kind of taking it easy and relaxing? There's a lot of questions about him involving that that just make me want to shy away. So. There's also some rumors about his character that Dane yeah. Brugler have brought up in the past that he's had issues with coaching staff in the past. Yeah. And again, it's this Jerry Judy comment again, you know, he wins from the slot, you know, there's a niche for that, but that's much less valuable than a guy who's going to have higher a dot yeah, average depth of target winning on the boundary, winning vertically. So, I mean, watching a big 10 fan here, but watching Minnesota, you know, you see Tyler Johnson, who's getting a good amount of volume targets, but 10 out of 10 times, give me Rashad Bateman. That's the dude on Minnesota that you need to watch for. He's could be a first round pick next year at wide receiver. I do like a Winfield a fair amount. Also, he is a little bit older. I think he's a double medical red shirt, but he's versatile. So he's, he's an interesting one. I wouldn't be surprised if he was one of the first safeties taken. He kind of reminds me a little bit of a uh, Darnell Savage because he's a smaller guy can play that single high can come down and play that nickel role as well. But the injuries are a little bit of concerning there. So I like him in a vacuum. I don't know if I love him for Denver. Yeah, that's fair. Willie Naylor coming in and, and helping your boy Lance out here really fast. Brian Kraft's question was, if the Broncos make the playoffs, will they be contenders? This is actually a pretty interesting question. It goes back to, uh, what was it? Uh, was it last night's or the night before's uh, Huddle Up podcast? And uh, arguing with the the odds makers and the Broncos over under win total. Now, I'm a little bit bullish on this Broncos team. I think that they have a fairly decent roster. They're doing a good job building up. We'll see what this draft class has in tow. I really am sold on Drew Locke as well. I think that that as a a quarterback of the future, a guy that can go out and help you win some games, going four and one as a starter in the NFL is hard enough to do as it is, especially with a a roster depleted of an offensive line. I mean, there's a lot of injuries on the offensive line up front, a lot of injuries on the defensive front as well. And they go four and one over the stretch and get themselves up to what seven wins. So now this year, I think that if with the with the Broncos in their draft class, it's going to be a big key to this, and especially if they could get another draft class that has a high first year impact as well. But I don't see there's any reason why you would expect any less than nine wins. I mean, the, just with the steady improvement that this team has shown, Vic Fangio bringing in the right culture, the the team is is uh, gearing themselves up for a big run here. And as what is it, John Ledyard, I believe, and Jordan Reed from the Draft Network, those guys are very high on what the Broncos have done this year in free agency, going out and getting Jarrell Casey, going out and getting AJ Bouye. 
the Melvin Gordon signing, whether we like the, the contract or not, we've all had this discussion over and over and over again. The player meets, I mean, that's it, a great upgrade for the Broncos in the running back room. Like, I don't see there's any reason why this team should fall off from where they were at last year. And if they do make it to the playoffs, they might be able to make some noise. I don't expect them to maybe contend for a Super Bowl, but I could see them stealing a win on the road. It's possible. My Right now, my baseline is 500. You know, making the playoffs would be great. Let's just get above 500. And how good they can be, as, you know, lazy as it is, it depends on how good Drew Locke is. You know, this team is yeah. good. They have a lot of good pieces around him. But five games from Drew Locke, you know, it was a little bit up and down. It was good. I mean, it wasn't obviously bad. But, I mean, the Raiders' secondary was absolutely trash. Their defense was trash. And uh, the same with the Detroit Lions. And he didn't have two good games there. He had that really good Texans game. He was okay against the Chargers. And then that Chiefs game was, I mean, you know, what can you take from it? So, really, there's still a lot to be found out about Drew Locke. I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. But, you know, how great is he going to be? That's still yet to be seen. So, they, they, and they need work to do. The offensive line needs to be healthy. You need to have Jawan James there. You need to... I mean, the Broncos second and third wide receivers and Deshaun Hamilton and Tim Patrick are as bad as any two, three wide receiver in the NFL. And we're going to a scheme that's going to demand more wide receiver sets. So all that stuff is just, I mean, there's a lot of questions. I do think that the floor is higher second year. I mean, have quarterback for the full season, a quarterback that is not as dependent on the offensive line and he can get rid of it. He can create a little bit. That's key. You need your quarterback to be a playmaker. But as far as a contender, I'm, I'm hoping to make the playoffs, but if they don't, I mean, it's a tough division. The Raiders and the chargers have made some good moves. Chiefs are obviously yep. the freaking champs and uh, it's still a tough schedule. So I hope they make the playoffs, but you know, that's I, I'm, I'm putting the 500 as the, the baseline. So that's what is the Vegas says I'm at 7.5. I think yeah, that's, a pretty good, that's a pretty good number. I'd go over. I'd go eight, but I think that's a pretty good number. See, I think that the Broncos have a better chance of competing for a top five pick next year than competing for the playoffs. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm I, just kidding. I think as soon as you said it, I knew it was a joke. I think that they, I think that they have a very good roster. Obviously, it's my. I'm not going to give an actual record prediction because I want to see how the draft goes and how the rest of free agency and everything. And. I, I think that they could push for the playoffs. I don't think they'll make much noise there. I think that they'll be one of those teams that, hey, you made it to the playoffs, but you're not getting any farther. You're just going to get rolled over. I think that's kind of what's going to be happening. And then um, there's always the whole possibility that next year they, they're they just picking 15 again because there is no football season. Yeah. That's definitely I would be curious what would happen. Like that, if they that, take that, multiple seasons, like it would not be fair to give the Bengals the first overall pick back-to-back years and yeah. let them – you know, take so, Trevor Lawrence. It would definitely, it would definitely be a uh, interesting thing to think of, to think about, but it all depends on that. If the season happens, I think that they could compete for the playoffs. I don't think much would happen there, but I'm, it really, it's going to depend on what happens in the draft. I know I'm totally taking over here for your guys's podcast. I'm the guest, but I've seen this question about 30 times now. Maybe it's all from Samuel Caleb. So way to stay persistent there. Cause we're talking, uh, maybe it's been from other people, but uh, rugs in the first and Epinesa in the second. Do you think this is realistic? I think it's realistic. I do think that just because of the lack of edge talent in this class, I mean, it's really after Chase Young, it falls off an absolute cliff, which is sad because you have a really good, potentially a presidential, you know, every four to eight years level of talent in regards to Chase Young coming in. But after that, I mean, Caleb on Chase on, that's a lot of projection. You turn Gross Matos, it's not great. You doing Josh Uche or Zach Bond, who are more of a kind of a hybrid linebacker slash off ball guy. So I could see it. I think Epinesa is still going to go in the first round. I think that somebody's going to take him at the back end of the first round. Watch out for new England. Go ahead, Lance. Cause it was, I'll take this after you, because there was a question that I wanted to grab real quick too. Oh, go ahead, Eric. I'm, I'm starting to break up a little bit here, guys. So I, I do apologize for that. So I don't, I'd be very shocked if Epinesa falls to the second round. And if he does, I'm not sure Denver would go his way. Um, there's been some conversations I've had with some people who view him that it's a similar kind of player as as Draymond Jones was when he was coming out because Draymond Jones was a little bit lighter and sitting there working to bulk up a little bit to play on the interior. And that's kind of how A.J. Epineza is. And then I've seen a bunch of questions, and I can't find it here, asking about LaVisca Chenault and where his draft stock and his injuries. And this is actually a very interesting question. I think that this that with the impact that has happened with everything that's going on with the, in the world with the lack of, you know, rechecks of the medicals from at combines with the lack of pro days, with the lack of visits. I really do think that players with major medical histories, especially a guy like LaVisca Chenault, who got, who re-aggravated his groin injury at the combine mm-hmm. running the 40, not being able to have a pro day, 
having that surgery afterwards, I think that's really going to affect his stock. I think that any player with major medical concerns is going to have see their stock really tumble. And I've had some conversations about this. As good as his tape is, there are some people out there that are projecting him to be a late day three pick because of this. So it's going to be interesting to see how things fall with these players. But it's definitely something to keep an eye on with any player that has major medical concerns. Lucas Niang is another one. And how far they fall, or how far they fall. Another <laughs> another uh, group of players like that are players who are from smaller schools and players who weren't invited to the combine. I think that this may be one of the years that in five years from now, we're looking back and talking about, oh man, I can't believe so-and-so went undrafted. I can't believe so-and-so went undrafted. I can see that happening five years from now because these players that aren't invited to the combine aren't having a chance to show themselves off. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that, Eric. And I'm glad that you went back and actually addressed that question because that was one that I was going to go back and try to find because it was a very intriguing one. I like LaVisca Chanel a lot. Uh, I mean, the the size and the ability that it has playing the, the wide receiver position like a running back, just getting a little bit of an update there is is very good. Now, guys, unfortunately, we're running really long here, so we're going to have to wrap it up there. Thank you guys all for joining us on the, uh, the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. You guys can follow the show at DVDD underscore pod you can follow me at sanderson mhh for eric at eric trickle notice the k in eric and for nick kendall at nick kendall mhh it's right there underneath his fingertips because he's being a spaz like always uh <laughs> also uh Make sure you guys are following at Huddle Up Pod. Make sure you guys are in touch with everything that's going on with the podcast network and also at Mile High Huddle so you can get updates on your Denver Broncos, breaking news, analysis, insight piece, analytics pieces from Thomas Hall. Bob Morris doing a great job with uh, breaking down the new CBA and the salary cap and everything like that. Film breakdowns from me, from Eric, Nick, Carl, all the guys. And, and I mean, it, we just we do it the best that we can to provide you guys with all of the, the, uh, the best Broncos information that we can also if you guys get a chance go ahead and check out huddleuppod.com that's our merch store it's because you guys were pounding the table to go out and get everything brought in get some hats get some t-shirts there's some new tank tops and stuff like that go out and uh and help support the help support the show help support the website it's a it's a great way for you guys to not only uh support the show and support everybody else like that now before we get out of here just one quick matter of business for me and eric uh tomorrow night we are going to be joined by uh, Coach Luke Polglaze once again to talk th- and break down some of the, the running backs in this year's draft class. So it's going to be a lot of fun, specifically some late-round guys, some guys that uh, – oh, oh, stop it, Nick. Uh, but anyway, some some late-round guys that, are, uh, that the Broncos could be looking at, especially after the acquisition of Melvin Gordon. Now, Nick, is there anything else you want to get out to the to the Dove Valley Deep Divers following? Uh, well, thank you. I saw we had a late-minute uh... – chat or a super chat here from Willie Naylor, who has got a great picture there as family. It looks like he's enjoying some social distancing there with the family, but you guys are awesome. Thank you. Also hashtag Nick's beer fund. So appreciate that. Uh, once we're done here, I'm going to go crack open a cold one. It is Friday night. So we got to figure something out, Lance, because Chad yeah. and Zach, they have their, they have football priests and they have state of being. And I think state of being is for all podcasts. Nick over here has his, has his hashtag Nick beers fund. We need one for one. us, man. No, it's not. It's the nothing, best. Nothing one. involving you, Nick, is the best. So just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Hold we, on. We I got one. So chat. So chat, help us there, out. Go ahead, Lance. There, there was one up here. I'm going to go ahead and just, just keep on going because there was actually a question up here from one of the one of our really good friends of the show from Bawana Beast talking about my kind of personal life just a little bit. If I can find oh. it really fast. Nick is a dweeb. Yeah. <laughs> Nick is a dweeb. So guys, help us That's out fair. with that. Think of a think of a hashtag. Reveal it in the chat tomorrow, you guys. We will be back, as Lance said. We're gonna have Coach Luke Polglaze. He coaches for a in college and uh, he's coached he's coaching receivers currently and he used to coach running backs. It's gonna be nice to talk about him and talking about a lot of the technical stuff, as Buana Beast has mentioned in here about having him on talk about stuff. So so anyway, smile, bro, you're a Bronco fan, dude. I'm ugly when I smile, so I try not to. <laughs> Anyways, to, to get this one last thing and really fast, as far as our our new hashtag goes, we got Nick's beer fund. How about Lance's diaper fund? Uh, but want to be specifically specifically. Uh, how's the baby? Uh, we just found out the, the reason why I was gone last week was we fa- went and found out how uh, what the gender is of our child, and I'm proud to announce it is a boy. I'm very excited. So, uh, Kaven Elliott Sanderson will be 
be the newest Broncos fan on August 3rd, 2020. So with that, guys, we're going to have to wrap it all up. Thank you all once again for joining the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. Uh, you guys have a great night. Stay safe. Wash your hands. Don't touch your eyes, nose, or mouth. And you guys have a great evening. Willie Naylor with a $2 donation. <laughs> Eric, the Draft King, the Draft God. Hashtag Draft God. There you go. All right, guys, we're going to get out of here. Thank you all once again. Have a good night. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies push boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They push girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies push boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They push girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.